0: Thank you.
1: Oh, gang, oh, hi, George. <laughs> uh, oh, it's Uncle Wiggly here. Oh, <laughs> uh, we have little stories and little games to play tonight. <laughs> uh, yes, we're going to play the yo-yo game, and uh, we're going to play Hit the Ding Dong, and uh, oh, we're just going to have so much fun, so come on, baby, climb up on the old knee here. And <laughs> what a lovely little, uh, climb up on my knee here, and Uncle Wiggly will let it change you. Uh, uh, Stop. Uh, what do you mean we're out here again? Holy smokes! You're gonna ruin my career. I'll never get paid in the Johnny Carson show again. Oh wow! Well. Whoa! Oh, I wish I could sing the lyrics to this song. Oh. Hello oh. there, gang. Oh, we've got a sad letter here. Just a sad letter here. He says, Shep, why did you leave out Bogota? He says, In your salute to Jersey the other night, he says, It's a wonderful salute that you gave Jersey. It was a good idea. He said, But why did you leave out Pagoda?" Well, I've received all kinds of letters about that. I received a letter from the Students' Committee for Nonviolent Recognition of Croton, New Jersey. And uh And they said there are 12 people here in town, and that includes two horses and one cow, This is, of course, the cow's named Emily. And uh, so the student committee over there is nonviolently attempting to get the recognition of Croton, New Jersey, near Flemington, New Jersey. (laughs) Oh, near Flemington, New Jersey. What a great name, Fleming, Flemington. (laughs) Well, nevertheless, uh, we uh, would like to salute Bogota. We didn't want to uh, let you out of there. Uh, we have. He says, here's why you should mention Bogota, New Jersey, in your to uh, beautiful little uh, jewels in jerseys diadem for the crown, the corona of the United States. It says, uh, one, it's Bogota's 75th anniversary. Ah, oh, Bagota 75. You got a little dottery out there. Two, it's between Teaneck and Hackensack. Well, that's remarkable in itself. I mean, it's between, you know, the frying pan and the fire there. Three... It's on the Hackensack River. And he says, Shepherd, if you ever do want to salute Jersey, please salute the mighty Hackensack River. Uh, would you please uh, let's salute the mighty Hackensack here. Yes, sir. Uh, come on, bring it in Oh, come on, cut off the talk. Let's salute the river. Yeah, we need arrangements. Come on, let's go. Blah, blah, blah. You give these guys a... Here we go. Come on, let's salute the Hackensack River. Hackensack River. Love the doo doo blues. Oh, roo dee Oh, oh, rhinoceros lips. La-pa-doo. Oh, candles hit the knee. Oh, footer-ack-a-sack-y. Ah, dong 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 da do da 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 H-A-C-K-E-N-S-A-C-K. Hackensack R-I-B-B-B-E-R, Hackensack River, oh, we salute you. It's the most polluted river in America, at least it's in the top ten. Not only do launch with nails for a minute, but at low tide you see buckets. Old toy trucks and other assorted garbage stuck at the bottom of the Hackensack River. H-A-C-K, E-N-S-A-C-K. R-I-P-T-P-E-R. Hackensack River, that old temple river just keeps on a rolling wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's enough of that. All right. What's good night, wasn't it? Oh, Hackensack River. And uh, we also want to salute Bogota. He says it's the uh, 75th anniversary. It's between Teaneck and Hackensack. It's on the Hackensack River. And number four and the biggest point of all, the biggest point of all, bring on that music there. We've got to salute it. He says, one, well, I live there. And that's the most important point of it all, writer. And wherever man lives, <continuion STIC grams> his heart will be down through Sinking in that old mud and sludge down to the bottom of the sea. Oh, I know I do. I know it's so true. Oh, <uckle"? cup > be it right, be it wrong. Where I live is a ding-ding-dong. Oh, be it loud. be it Ips, I give you my permission to mention this letter on the air if you want to enrich the lives of your audience. He's a sophomore in Pagoda High. He's a shepherd, by the way. Uh, you little son of a gun. <laughs> I'm not going to quote that, I think. Well, uh, this is what I think. Well, all right. Good morning, Jim. All right. Oh, listen, uh, I'd like to, of uh, course, all of it. There's nothing that's more important than beer to most people. Beer is important. Oh, every place I go in the world, beer is important. And, uh, and oh, listen, they've said it. Oh, no, 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 I'm not a- I'm making a statement of fact here. I'm not advocating people take it. A- By the way, speaking of, uh, of advocating, yeah, hey, hey, do you dig these commercials, Jim? Now, Jim's a hard-hitting executive here, and uh, he would know about this stuff. And uh, there's a commercial. that's on the air. It's all over. It's on TV. It's on radio, everything. It starts out with this. It says, uh, the guy says, uh, Say, Fred, uh, we'd like to uh, nominate you as the chairman of the activities committee of the club. You know, down at the old club. Well, that's very nice of you, Clarence. I would be pleased to uh, take part in that activity. It sounds like fun. You know, uh, Fred, you know, I can't tell you how you've changed. You used to be called Fred the Nut. You used to be this wild man. I'll never forget you used to come in here and you just knocked down the scenery. I remember the day you threw the fern at Mr. Bullard. What kind of a nut you were with them teeth sticking out and your eyeballs popping. You were sort of a nut. You used to flap the handle uh, absolutely with no provocation. You were called Fred the Nut, you know, in the the executive washroom. Well, I'm uh, pleased to say that uh, them days are over. Yes, uh, I've, uh, I'm have i a new man now. Well, I'll tell you, it's a fantastic. Uh, what did you do, Fred? I mean, you're just a new guy. Why, everybody's saying Fred's a new guy. Why, they want to nominate you president, make you king, everything. You're just wonderful to be around, Fred. You're just groovy, Fred. You mind if I lick your cap here? You're just wonderful. Well, I discovered this uh, friendly little blue pill. And uh, ever since that time, why, nothing bothers me. Nothing why, that's fantastic! End of commercial. Every time I hear it, see, I think, uh, you know, this guy's—he's skunked out of his skull. I mean, he's going around bombed. It's what, a, you know, what in effect it turns out to be. You know, of course, it's true. He's bombed. He's going around now. Eh? You know, the, the old days. You know, when he used to knock down the ferns and throw the pots and you know the geraniums at Mister Bullard and all that—that that was the real Fred. See, now he discovered this gentle little thing. You know. He's walking around. His feet haven't touched the ground now in eight months. Nothing bothers him. I can just see the scene. Hey, Fred, they just dropped on. I'm threatened. Oh, well. After all, you know, I say everybody should do their own thing. Who did it? Oh, I don't know. I think it was the Russians. Yeah, well, I say. Living what left. Mm-hmm. Here, have a gentle little blue pill. I could see that commercial, though. I always felt that, you know, you get this real hip FM station, and uh, you could do this type of commercial, Say, uh-huh. Hello, Fred! St. Fred, we'd like to nominate you president of our new club, you know? The uh, the Dong Club. And uh, I just want to tell you, you're a new man, Fred. What's what's changed you? Oh, yeah. I discovered this, uh, this wonderful, gentle, little green grass. And... Uh, well, yeah, well, it's fantastic. It's changing. What's it called? Well, it's spelled on the commercials P-O-T. At, uh, uh... <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's true. Very deeply concerned. And uh, we want to make sure that your life grows and is enriched every hour of the day. And uh, because of that, we've located ourselves right in the heart of Fun City uh, so that we can reach out and enrich more people's lives. By the way, speaking of... Well, that's why we're here. We, you know, we had an opportunity last month to move to Indianapolis, Jim, and we realized that out in Indianapolis that uh, there are just less people who enrich their lives. And all that. In fact, I saw this sign one day. I'll never forget this fantastic moment of truth. It was hanging over Seventh Avenue, and uh, I was in the middle of a tremendous traffic jam, sweating oh boy, and the cab driver was yelling out the window at all the other cab drivers, and everywhere we were, we were jammed up for about. Twenty minutes, and uh, there were people, there was some kind of a strike going on, you know, the ones with carrying the shopping bag, going shop at Judy Bond and all that stuff, and the, these guys were walking around with signs, and other guys are walking around with the other, other side of the street with signs, and they were yelling back and forth, and it was and then this cacophony of, of, of vilification, you know, and my driver, all of a sudden, he, somebody tapped the back end of the car, and it just came up and went pink, like that, and he looks in the mirror, he says, he said, what's that? what's that Fink doing? What do you think he's doing there? And with that, he tears the window down, and he sticks his head out the window. He says, what are you doing, Fink? What are you trying to do? You're trying to bash in my trunk, Fink? With that, he throws it in reverse, and he goes, bang! And he hits the guy. I'm sitting on the metal seat. <laughs> and I can see, I turn around, and I see there's another guy sitting in the back seat of the other cab. So he's sitting there. He doesn't know. What do you do? Do you cheer for your cab driver when he gets in a fight? I say, you're on his side. Right or wrong, he's my cab driver. You're paying for the meter, I see. (laughs) I hate to see a fistfight on my time. The meter kept clicking, and these two guys are out there fighting. You know, the meter's going... You know, every time. He didn't even drop the flag, see? Well, I'm in the middle of this fantastic, insane thing. They're holding up signs and yelling and hollering, and one group of pickets is yelling at another group of pickets, and above it all is this beautiful sign. It says, New York is a summer festival. I thought, Jean, give me a little uh, Just sneak it in a little bit there. I said, Gene, how through. New York is a summer festival, friends. It is a festival of all kinds. And everywhere one looks, one sees man doing his thing. Everywhere one looks, man smells man doing his thing. As a matter of fact, you can stand at a quiet, sun, sun-drenched twilight as you look, as you look east. As you look east on 42nd Street, over that great avenue of dreams, that fantastic river of passion, there are 500 marquees hanging down there, like uh, the orgy up in Yost, up in Lil's Place. The one next to it with the uh, pajama gals, wow. There's another one that says, adults only. They don't even tell you the name of the picture. Just come on in, you know. This is it, the real peppy. And the sun is shining down, and the buses are lined up one after the other. And then you look west towards Jersey, you see the hills climbing up there, and you can notice just the just a touch of colorful teaneck looking down over those western hills of Jersey. And then you breathe in deep the air of this great, rich, fun festival town. Oh, don't take him out. Keep him in there, friend. It's the singing it's part of the food lamp shake. Yeah. And you can smell orchestra drifting in. And you can see the great crowd of mosquitoes rising out of Staten Island. And thousands and thousands of ladies charging on towards the newest big basement special sale down at Magnificent Alexander's. And you know, you're part of a new big swinging wild fantastic great movie world. All together now, gang. Right, hold Oh, You have to husband your talent. When you, when you know all great artists must keep their artistry carefully husbanded. If you do not see, for example, uh, Maria Collis walking down the street singing, Yes, sir, that's my baby in front of the chock full of nuts. No. Very carefully husbanded. Hey, I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question. You know, all you guys think you know, uh, you know, the world of art. Our, our trivia, you see, our world, uh, the now world. I'm going to ask you a question. What is the name of the automobile that is produced in Australia? Do you know that Australia makes a car, and it is not shipped to the United States? I'll give you that. that uh, that's an important clue to know. It is not shipped to the United States. In other words, you can't. I suppose if you and bring it back, that's something else. It, no, it is not a Ford product. I will give you no, no. It, it has an o- its own name. It's a, it's a, it's a car that has its own name, and it is made in Australia. And I only, I've only seen one in the states, and obviously it was somebody who lived over there and had it shipped. Uh, I was walking down the street here a couple. What made me think of it? I was walking down the street a couple of days ago, and I saw one parked at the curb, and uh, I heard a couple of guys standing there. You know, there's always two. You know, there's always two uh, two experts standing next to a car. One guy saying, "Well, that's one of them Czechoslovakian cars," and others oh, "Come on, that ain't Czechoslovakian." I think that's uh, I think that's one of them Russian cars, and they were arguing back and forth. But it was an Australian car. Now, what is it? I will bet a lot of you didn't even know they made one there. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, Australia is a very exciting country. Uh, I'm listening to this Quantis spot. Uh, I've been to Australia, and I just want to say that of all the countries I've been in, probably the one that physically, now I'm not talking about beauty, that's something else, is physically exciting beyond, I think, any stretch of real estate that I've seen in the world. It's Australia. Boy, is that a a wild place. Uh, Oh, I'll tell you, uh, wild in more ways than one. I'll tell you, one of the things that I remember about Australia are the, the absolutely unbelievable women it's because, well, see, this is a, uh, well, a lot of people wouldn't like Australia, and I'll tell you why. Because Australia, if you're, if you have intellectual pretensions, if you, if you're an intellectual type, you probably flip in Australia. This is a totally physical country. It's physical. Yes, it's, it is. It really is a physical country. And this country, uh, my, one of the things I remember about it, when I, the first impression I had, of course, I read a lot about it when I went over there, but Nothing you read about any place has anything to do with the actuality when you hit it. Uh, It's like you can read all you want on New York, uh, living in Indianapolis or someplace, but the reality is very different from what you read, because then it's all hitting you. It's a a very personal reaction. But in Australia, because of the climate, because of a lot of things, they're practically all physically oriented. Well, it's not a coincidence that the prime minister here a couple of years ago Died skin diving, you know, in very dangerous waters. As a matter of fact, the the the, uh, the theory that is very that is very held in Australia is not that he he uh, drowned. Uh, on, the sharks got him. Yeah, the sharks. Of course, they're famous in Australia. Oh, dear, oh boy. And I, I that's what I wanted to tell you about Australia. That, that one of the things I remember about. It, I went to the beach there, and uh, of course, uh, their their whole world, their whole beach world is very different from ours. It's a way of life there. So they don't make a big issue of being at the beach. Like when, here it is in America. Well, you know, you go out to Jones Beach. It's a two-and-a-half-hour trip. Uh, it's a big holiday. You line up and you go there. But it's every day there. Uh, and the beach is a, is a way of life. It's ten minutes from wherever you live there because it's uh, right on all this water. So the people are very different at the beach. It's, uh, it's like they're really cool. They're really on top of it. Nobody's pushing to have a good time. They're just there. They're like animals. And and uh, <laughs> they're, they're bathing suits. You wouldn't believe it. Did you see on television a couple of nights ago, did you see uh, the movie The Endless Summer? Well, a big sequence of that beautiful movie. I love that movie. Well, there was a tremendous sequence shot in Australia. And the one thing that really, the, the, the very little sex that was in that movie was these two guys who were supposed to be uh, they were... Uh, well, actually, they were just surfboarders, but the, the, the only time they mentioned sex was when they were in Australia when they saw these women there. Now, why it is is because from the time they were little kids, they've been swimming like five miles a day. And they, they have tremendous physiques. I mean, really, it just, it's, it's obscene, I tell you. That the, I, I, believe me, I was with a guy that had these thick glasses. He was a very nearsighted guy in Australia. And it's the only time I've ever seen the temperature was 85 degrees that day. His glasses actually clouded up. It was, it was uh, sickening. And the one chick walked by, and you saw there was a little crack came in his glasses, just the, the dynamic kinetic heat just generated in the, inside of him. So he just broke his bone bu- And, and well, why? Well, because they're so oriented to the outdoors that their are bathing suits. And uh, here's the here's the curious thing. Uh, didactic quality about it. And also, it's a paradox. It's, it's also, simultaneously, a very prudish country. They're very prudish. Uh, you know that Playboy is not even allowed in the country. Can you imagine what they would do with Times Square? <laughs> Playboy is not allowed in the country. That's considered unbelievably obscene. Uh, well, Well, so, on the other hand, you go on the beach, and these girls are walking around. Believe me, they have bathing suits that are made out of, uh, well, like Band-Aids. I'm serious. You never saw anything like it. It's, you don't even see how they can stay on them. And, and they go past you. And, and the, the, the men, I'm serious, the men have, have bathing suits that, hello there, Keith. The men have bathing suits there that make, well, a typical, you know what a, what the, what a very hip bikini would be here? They make that look Victorian. So here you are out on the beach, well, there's 18,000 people that are totally naked. I mean, really, you can't believe it. And uh, so I'm one thing to see, and see, and I've got my bathing suit on, which, of course, I bought at Magnificent Alexander's before the trip, and it was a very hip one, you know, by American standards, and I'm looking like Grandpa Charlie. I'm, you know, I, I got this... <laughs> and, and, uh, and so the guy says to me, he says, uh, you know, Australian, that's what he says, hey, I might... Uh, a very interesting uh, a swimsuit. They call them swimsuits. Very interesting swimsuit there, mate. And I said, yes. Uh, is it your grandfather's? She So I said, <laughs> museum piece. It's camp, you know. <laughs> it's camp all the way. So I bought myself one of those swimsuits over there. I had to, you know, just for self-protection. Well, it was, you know, a great moment. I put this thing on. The breezes are blowing all around me, and I go out on the beach, you know, I'm standing, and I'm holding newspapers up all around me. <laughs> you know, ever since I I bought that thing, I'm I'm kind of afraid to take it out. I'm thinking of trying it once at Jones Beach. I'd get arrested. Well, ten minutes after I'm in Australia, I don't know how I got on the subject of Australia, but this this buddy of mine says, uh, "Listen," he says, "You want to really see some sport? You you really dig sport?" And I said, "Yeah." He says, "Well, uh, I've got this friend Freddie. He says he got a boat, and we go out and really have some sport." So I said, "Well, what do you do?" He says. Well, you know, just uh, just a big sport here in Australia. Come on, I said, I'll surprise you. I said, What is it? You like fishing or something? No, no. Well, you see, mate. Well, we went out in a boat. We went around a big bend in the in the shoreline there, and it was a bay. And these beautiful combers were coming in. You know, they have a surf in Australia that you just wouldn't believe. It just comes in these long waves. And this is the Pacific, of course, and it stretches all the way to the Ar- Antarctic, from Australia. It is an unbroken stretch of water all the way down to the South Pole. And so these tremendous combers come rolling in. And the Pacific looks different from the Atlantic. Uh, the Atlantic, of course, we all live with the Atlantic here, but you notice how the Atlantic is a more of a gray, uh, sort of a dark gray-green. Well, no, that's the color of the Atlantic. It's, a, uh, it's not polluted. I mean, even if you go up, you go, no, seriously, that's the color of the uh, ocean. And you know why this is so? It's a combination. It's a combination of the water, uh, a lot of things. So the ocean is this color. But <laughs> the the, uh, the the Pacific Ocean now is a curious kind of an ocean. It's kind of a, a dark jade green that just comes rolling in endlessly. When well, I see these boats out in the water, then. he says, "Come on, let's go out." And I've got on my bikini bathing suit and you know, a whole bit. And uh, these Australians, of course, are. Uh, giant muscles. They had muscles. It's the only, the only people I ever saw that had muscles behind their ears. And these big muscles, you know, from wiggling their ears. Everything, you know, the muscles all over. So we're we're going out in the boat. I says, what what's going to happen here? He says, well, what do you see, mate? And then I saw. Here was a boat right a beam of us, and there were two Australians, two Aussies, and one guy has this little motor. See, so he's he's got this motor going like mad. The other guy's standing up in the bow. Both of them dressed in these bikinis. Well, all of a sudden, the guy in the bow, he's hollering at the guy with the motor, and the guy with the motor's maneuvering the boat, and I can't see what they're trying to do, what they're in. The big combers are going in, and they're yelling back and forth. All of a sudden, the guy in the boat, in the bow, he goes, Phew! he dives in. And then I see him come up. He came up just like, like a cork. He bobbed up, and he's moving like you never saw. He's moving like a shot through the water. I thought, what's he doing? And then I see... He's got something in his hands. He is holding the fin of a shark. They dive in the back of a shark, and they grab him by the fin. And, of course, the object is to see how far you can ride the shark before he disembowels you or something. See? So they're riding. He's riding on a shark. The other guy takes the boat. See, he takes out after it. And they're yelling and howling. oh, whoa, oh, oh, whoa! Oh. and you see the water. And here's the, the Australian who's sitting on the shark. There's a weight going up around his chest because the shark is about, oh, maybe two feet deep. He's down in the water. See? Well, with that, he pulls the shark. He leans way back. And, of course, it's like a horse. He pulls the shark up, and the shark comes up like this. You can see the nose of the shark. It's about 18 feet ahead of him. The nose of the shark comes up, and he is mad. You could see these two little red BBs looking around. You know, it's not often you have a guy sitting on the back there holding on a fin. So the shark looks around, and his teeth, he flat, his head flowers around. With that, he dives, and as he dove, the shark, of course, sounded that at that point. He just dove down straight in the water, and the guy let go. and broke Up he came like a cork, and the boat goes over there like mad to pick him up, because instantly, of course, what happens is the shark turns around to see who's been riding on his back. And and he's mad. He wants to do something about it. And so then the next trick, this is the second act of the drama, is whether or not the guy can get in the boat. Well, (laughs) it's not over yet. So he's swimming like that. And with that, I see the shark coming around. A little big shark comes with a big fin. And they drag him into the boat. They all cheer and laugh. Everybody in the other boats cheer and laugh. And they're all set for another big moment. They wait for another shark. Well, I thought to myself, you know, this is a, boy, what a, what a thing, you know, what a thing for the wide, wide world of sports. Oh, I'm not going to tell them what the car is. I'm going to let them worry about that. Oh, don't worry. we got plenty of, oh, we're, we're planning it. Don't worry. I know where I am here. You're talking to the pro here. But I am thinking of this, you know, the scene, the wide, wide world of sports. Oh, another thing. I, I thought when I saw this, I thought, you know, there is something about living on the frontier. Now, after all, Australia is a frontier compared to the rest of the world. That makes people have a sense of—I well, don't know what it could be—but uh, except courage, fantastic physical courage. <laughs> you know, they really have got it. It's all in the head. Yeah, that's right. And they really have got this thing. So I was very impressed by it. All this stuff that I saw. And then there was one other thing that I must say about Australia, and then I'll drop the subject of Australia. You like Australia? (laughs) Yes. You know that that, uh, the greatest house that I ever saw, the greatest single home that I have ever been in in my life. Now, all of us, when we walk around and we visit people and we go places and stuff, when you think back over your whole life, think of the thousands of places you have been in your life. I mean, homes, a lot of stuff that you don't even remember. Have you ever thought this thought? This hits me once in a while. That you're, you're at a place. You're, for some reason or other, these people don't mean much to you, or you just happen to be there. You don't know one of those things. You're at somebody's house or an office, but generally a house. And you leave the place. And a couple of days later, you can't, you can't really remember having actually been there because you had no reason to be there, really. There was no motivation or anything. You weren't deeply involved or anything like that. Have you ever thought that if somehow magically scenes could be flashed before you, like from your earlier life, let's say even ten years ago, just scenes flashed before you like a codachrome of a place you were and people you were with, could you remember that? Would, you, would it come back to you? Would it hit you? You think it would? Well, I don't know. I'm not so sure of that. I, you better think that out before you say that. I mean, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, I'd remember if you, if you showed it to me. Not necessarily. And, hey, this is a great mystery. <laughs> why you'll remember certain things and why you won't remember others. But the one thing I do remember about Australia, if you're planning a trip, uh, I could no—I could give you no better advice than to say, take the, the, the long way around to go to Australia. In other words, there's a couple of ways to go to Australia. One way is to take off and go west and fly out over the Pacific. The other way is to fly east and uh, go to, uh, well, like the uh, the time I went there, I flew by way of, uh, let's see, I'll think it out now, Germany, the next stop was uh, Rome, from Rome to Cyprus, to Athens, to uh, Cairo, it's getting... Exotic, isn't it? From Cairo to... Are you ready for this now? From Cairo to Karachi. I think we stopped off briefly in New Delhi. And then from there... Oh, then it's really getting wild. From there to Singapore, Bangkok, to Darwin... Which is on the far northern part of Australia and is very tropical. And then across the, the subcontinent of Australia, or is it a continent? I guess it's a continent. Across the continent of Australia, which is an unbelievable sight. Make sure you fly it in the daytime. Oh, boy. Uh, over the continent of Australia to Sydney. And now, how's that for a trip? Boy, is that an exciting trip. And uh, every plane you get off and on is another experience, like uh, getting on the plane to Karachi. All of a sudden, 5,000 people came with chickens in their laps.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> really exciting. But uh, nevertheless, uh, I don't know how I got on the subject of, uh, of Australia, but uh, we've already shot the shows, so we might as well go ahead with it. But the single most fantastic house that I ever saw was in Australia. I couldn't believe it. I was invited to come out. To the, and he wasn't a rich guy or He was just invited to see this guy. And uh, I went up. I, I had rented a car, one of those mysterious Australian cars, which I've not told you the name of. And um, we, we I drove on out. It was a suburb. drove uh, Sydney. I drove on out. And I drove up the street. And it was a big hill. It was dark there. And uh, I got out of the car. I saw a couple of other cars there. And it was a party they were having that night. And I was a guest of honor, see, so I'm not excited to going there. I went up this guy's, up the steps. There's a long row of, of uh, steps, carved stone steps, chopped right out of the, like, undergrowth, just going straight up in the darkness. I went up, and I can't believe what I see. This house is built on the face of a sheer rock cliff, and it is built in four levels, carved out of a stone. Yeah, the stone is hollowed out like a cave, And on each floor of the cave uh, is a cantilevered floor covered totally with glass. And connecting the four of them is a circular staircase that hangs in space. So you walk up the staircase with glass between each floor. The bedrooms were on the top floor. And you looked out of this thing. It was like four big glass bubbles hung into this stone cliff. And you looked out and you saw this tremendous expanse of Sydney, Laid out below you, this like like an enormous of uh, blue and green and white glistening lights, and then you could see the Bay of Sydney, which is one of the most beautiful harbors in the world. It's like San Francisco with a with a bridge arching across it, all lit up. You see this, you see the Pacific stretching for well all the way to the Antarctic, and I and I, <laughs> you know, I'm floored. And I'm standing there. They had me. Of course, there's, there's always a fly in every ointment, friends. Here was this beautiful place. And uh, I, I walk into the house there. Boy. And, of course, uh, being traveling and, and figuring that I'm in a, a frontier country, Shepherd has come, tastefully dressed in a new pair of chinos and his J.C. Penney sport jacket. And, uh, you know, I've got my wash-and-wear Teflon shirt with the... Uh, sponge rubber tie and I'm standing there surrounded by this group of people all dressed completely to the total nines. These people are wearing tuxedos. Anything Chris. <laughs> in Australia, guy walks up to me and says, I hope you don't mind, mate. Uh, we, we, we felt we'd go a bit formal tonight. And I said, no, I'm pleased that you thought about that. And I thought I'm in the most elegant place in the whole western world. Uh, Australia isn't in the Western world, is it? And here's this fantastic home. And so they brought me this tray, and I thought, this is the ultimate of sophistication. And this guy's wearing a suit that's right out of a Fred Astaire movie, you know, with a white shirt front, and the chick he's with is dressed like Ginger Rogers. And we're looking out over Australia, and they hand me tray, and he says, of course, uh, I realize all you mates back. Uh, you you really love this drink called a martini. I says, that's right, mate. And he hands me a martini. It was the most obscene martini I've ever had. And all of a sudden, all their civilization crumbled into nothing. It was like a martini made out of Diet Yoo-Hoo with an olive in it. Unbelievable. <laughs> he said, well, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of a... He said to me, and he was being nice, I'm kind of acquiring a taste for your martinis, you know. I said, Holy God, if he acquires a taste for this, where's the next stop? And so each man has to take his own brass ring, Prince. Trans- oh, I haven't told you the name of the card that they make in Australia, have I? Have I? Well, ain't gonna either. <laughs> Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes.